am strong and fierce. My own strength surprises me. Welcome to the Thriving Intuitive Podcast, formerly known as Unlock Your Destiny. I am your host, Raven Scott, and I'm providing women who are feeling hurt and alone in their journey a community to kick ass as we become empowered together while healing from childhood trauma, abusive relationships, or plain old life, and awaken to rewrite our karmic story. I am the author of Empath and the Narcissist, available on Amazon. Get ready to dive into some magic through human design, self-development, astrology, tarot, and meditative thoughts. Unhealed childhood trauma manifests itself as fixing others, people-pleasing, codependency, external validation needed, living on high alert, fear of abandonment, deprioritizing your own needs, need to prove themselves, tolerates abusive behavior, attracts narcissistic partners, and or difficulty setting boundaries. Today we are covering understanding childhood trauma in ourselves, in adults, and understanding how this trauma has wreaked havoc in our relationships. It's so subconscious. Sometimes we just don't even know it. So there are a few signs that I will list for you of unhealed childhood trauma, and then going to go through the details um, of what I've observed and what I've also pulled from notes and research um, going through some beautiful um, experts of psychology, uh, because I am not an expert in psychology. I am a, a uh, recovering um, survivor of narcissistic abuse, and I have myself um, had a traumatic experience in my childhood. I write about it in my book, and some may think, ah, that's not that traumatic, you're so silly, but um, it blocked out a whole bunch of years, a big chunk of years of memories, and I would definitely define it as trauma. So it affected how I made choices moving forward. It affected my emotional state. It affects how I, you know, relate to people and still relate to them as an adult. So every person has their own experience, large, small, Um, So I'm just going to practice and not discrediting my trauma and just share with you from my experience and this beautiful information. So point number one is they uh, try and fix people, which I always kind of blamed on my Virgo-ness, but it is an actual result um, of childhood trauma. So due to the traumatic event that you might have experienced once in your childhood, um, including maybe it was abandonment, maybe it was a loss of a sibling, maybe it was sexual abuse, physical abuse, or emotional abuse. In order to survive, you had to detach yourself from others and retract into yourself during a very important developmental time in your life when you need a love and stability. And due to this reaction, one can have a loss of memories from that period in their life. Or one might say, I never really had a childhood. Maybe you were forced to grow up too fast and become the adult in the relationship because your parent um, fell prey to substance abuse or was 
working 24-7 because they were a single parent. When they feel their childhood has been stolen from them, they've lost imperative development steps to grow into a healthy and well-adjusted adulthood. And their identity can be compromised because there's like that peace, that just uh, a view that wasn't able to ever fully develop in balance and health. And this feeling of missing a part of, of yourself due to the loss of that time makes you feel a sense um, of like the need to fix others. So you feel like, well, if I fix this person, this relationship, this situation, then it will rewrite the past. Everything will be like clean slate, you know, washed away, forgiven, and um, we can move forward. And we can like just pretend it never happened, almost kind of a thing. But when a person focuses on the past, they're robbed of their present. You're robbed of your present. Even when you're focusing on the future, like how things can be, you're being robbed of the very present moment that you need right now. So perhaps they are fixated or on fixing the situation that um, they just continue to drudge through blindly. Do you, Have you done that? I know I have, and I still did this last Christmas, right? You're trying to fix a situation. You're drudging through. You think maybe I'm going to attack it at this angle. I'm going to be different and like fix it this way. Um, but really, in fact, you're still trying to fix the situation. And the fact that that person may possibly cannot ever be fixed. They're not willing to be fixed. They're not willing to change. They're just on a different path than you, or they're just not as caught up in their, you know, they may have had their own childhood trauma and are healing from that. They don't have the capacity to heal yours and themselves at the same time. And so when we have these expectations of trying to fix things, it leads to immense sadness, depression, and disappointment. So continuing this ever cyclical trauma cycle over and over in this relationship with this person. Are you feeling a strong pull towards community and spirituality? Well, that is why Jessica Schiller Silverman of the Alive Podcast and myself, Raven Scott, have created a sacred space for hope and healing your heart to lead life with love. We truly want every single soul to know that they are supported and empowered in their soul's journey. You are unique and are here for a particular reason. So we've created this collective. We've just divinely came up with the name within two minutes, um, the Soul Collective on Patreon. And we're really here to align your divine flow. This membership is here for you. And we draw tarot cards and share intuition and wisdom that you need to hear in that moment. We hold a quiet space for your meditations and spiritual connections. And we upload exclusive content and you gain early access to all our amazing guests and podcasts that we both create. From the Raven Scott Girl Talk Show, the Thriving Intuitive Podcast, and from the Alive Podcast. We join together and share what's on our hearts and teach wisdom from 
from our hearts to yours to nourish it during these trying times. And we host live Q&As on anything spiritual, tarot, human design, or moonbeam related. So I hope that you can join us. Uh, Head on over to Patreon and find us at Soul Collective, the number nine. And we have three tiers for you. It's really simple. We have the maiden, the mother, and the guardian. Head on over, check it out, and join our membership today. Point number two is people-pleasing. I mean, I wrote the book specifically for people pleasers and path of the narcissist is just kind of like a storyline of my experience, but it's really a healing guide for people pleasers because I am a recovering people pleaser. (laughs) I know firsthand when you are people pleasing, you don't even realize you're doing it. It's subconscious because again, out of the, the trauma, you're just trying to make sure everyone's happy. Everything's good. Like you just justify all your actions in the name of peace in the name of progress. And and you're working on your relationship. But if, just, just let me put this out here, if you step away and you stopped pleasing and you started to say, no, I don't want to do that, or you might not even reach out out of your weird guilty comp- you know, compulsions to call, if you don't reach out, I did this a lot every time I left my ex, I would feel guilty. I would feel bad about the, the, the argument we had. I would take it upon myself that I must have made a mistake thinking he would also admit that he made a mistake and we would make up like a healthy people. Um, and I decided to reach out and call. And then in that conversation, it just was this bending over backwards, people pleasing everything, that was wrong. I took credit for everything that, you know, needs to be fixed. I'll fix it. It's like that bending over backwards, people pleasing that just won't ever work. It will always lead to toxicity will always lead to it not working out because the other person is not willing to meet you in the middle of the bridge. There's a bridge in a relationship. There's two sides, two people, and you have to come together in the middle so if you, what I'm saying is if you step back and you observe yourself and you put in half the effort you have been, observe to see if they're putting in any effort. Are they calling you? Are they saying, I'm sorry? Are they apologizing? Are they um, just doing the things to kind of bridge a relationship? And if they're not, then I would say meet that relationship with the same energy, energy for energy. You know, love with love, you know, in intense connection with intense connection. Eh, you know, I'm really kind of like complacent about this relationship. Okay, then stop people pleasing and be complacent about the relationship. You can still deeply love them. Send them unconditional love energetically. Ho'oponopono prayer is a beautiful practice that I was just thinking this morning would be such a remedy for all of these narcissists out in the world. We put our barriers up. We put our boundaries and say, okay, no contact, but energetically, I'm going to send love to you. I'm sorry that you had a crappy childhood too. I'm sorry that you were worshiped and like weren't taught that real life has some, you know, it's tough on you and you're not always like 
the perfect person, right? Like, I'm sorry you weren't given the tools you needed to be an adult. However, I still love you. I forgive you. And, you know, sending them that love. I love you. And it's, it's just energetic, right? It's just something to do. Where, because we do have as impest this bold up energy of wanting to fix things or please situations, please people. So in- instead of doing something actively on the active plane, which is just kind of kind of like poke the bear and entice the toxic situation, just send that beautiful prayer, that beautiful uh, ho'oponopono prayer out to them. Number three is codependent. They are codependent typically. Um, And again, it's because of this unhealthy attachment. Adults and even adolescent teens with childhood trauma are naturally attached to unhealthy and destructive relationships. If your imprint and development pattern as a child only knows manipulation, abuse, or dismissal and neglect, as a result... You will find people who fit that, that traumatic kind of attachment. And it also fits your identity of how you fit into a relationship because that's all you know subconsciously, correct? You might think in your head like, yes, I know I deserve better, but you just, in your friendships, romantic relationships, and even your work environment, you're attracted to this unhealthy balance of a relationship, And you tolerate abusive behavior because it's familiar pattern. And sometimes you think you deserve it or it's no big deal. And it's, again, subconsciously like just part of your being. It feels normal. It's a pattern. But even though it may cause you conscious turmoil in the moment, you stay. So they end up, or you may end up, with emotionally unavailable partners Uh, You may end up with an abusive partner or a narcissistic person as a partner or a narcissistic boss, a friend. (laughs) Um, You know, you're like, oh, am I surrounded by all these narcissistic people all of a sudden when you wake up? It's like, oh, it's because your subconscious is just clicking into the pattern. You're just fitting into that puzzle of where you feel like you belong, where it's comfortable. And that's why they always say if you want to grow and you want to change, you got to get out of your comfort zone. And if your comfort zone is abusive, you know, unhealthy, destructive people, then that's your comfort zone. So you got to just kind of pull your setup out of it and find people, ask the universe to bring you people and visualize those people that are healthy, that are emotionally available, that will say, oh yeah, oh, you need that? Oh, I'll listen to you. Sure, I can I can provide that. I'm confident. I'm secure in myself. Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's meet halfway, you know, and I will provide you needs and you will provide me needs and it's a two-way street. So when you're codependent, you, you feel like you will literally die <laughs> physically, but you won't, but emotionally, you feel like you're going to literally die without that person because you are emotionally attached. I remember when my, my therapist told me that I was codependent, I was like, what is that? What does that even mean? I'm not right. Your ego says no way because your brain really knows 
like what you need, but your subconscious patterns keep magnetizing you to these people. And until you can first recognize that you are codependent, meaning you are unhealthily attached to somebody who is treating you abusive or is manipulating you or is neglecting you, then you recognize that you can then rewrite your neurons and your subconscious and um, you will be able to break free from that pattern and you'll break free from being codependent. And you can still have a relationship with these people with boundaries. This is a really beautiful thing too I've discovered in my experience is I was still able to have relationships with family members, friends, after I was able to put up a boundary. It might have been awkward, right, at first, and it might have been like, oh, you don't like me anymore, or oh, like, I don't know how to relate to you. But once I was able to do it, the relationship seemed to almost like be more fulfilling and blossom and bloom when I put up those boundaries. If they were, you know, they truly loved me and wanted to reciprocate back. So people treat you how you allow them to treat you. And again, it's all out of patterns for them as well on their side. So contrary to the, the powerful chemistry of toxic relationships, others may repeat a pattern of isolation it's another kind of point of view and perspective and avoid close relationships and isolate themselves. I mean, I kind of feel like I've done that in small bits of moments where I just like, I want to hermit. I don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> I want to avoid everyone. And this might be a bigger pattern for some people um, if they're in this boat versus being kind of like latched on to another person. So it, it's just... We can do it. We can heal and we can break the patterns. Number four, you seek external validation. Do you find yourself not asking for what you want in relationships or find decisions are hard to make or possibly seek approval and praise for your achievements? You know, there's a quote that I found and I think it's so pertinent, but um, it's by Cozial Therapy and Coaching. And they say, as human beings, we are all wired to receive love, attention, affection, care, nurturance, safe touch, gentleness, empathy, guidance, validation, attunement, mirroring, and consideration in childhood and beyond. This type of consistent enough love and care allows the child's brain to grow in neurological connections in the areas responsible for learning, memory, emotional regulation, and healthy self-concept. External validation is a primal need to belong to the group for survival. However, when you depend on it for self-worth, you are highly sensitive to criticism and feedback. That's a red flag if you're dependent on external validation. And at the same time, you need more praise than the average person. There's a great episode that um, I recorded with Anna C. Jones just a couple episodes ago, um, the last part of season two. And we talked about that, the external validation versus really just having your internal validation. So in these extreme cases... 
They will do anything for social acceptance and they'll compromise their feelings. Can you think back of when you compromised your feelings and did things that you didn't want to do just to fit in, right? That's called peer pressure, right? In the wrong crowd. And then you make terrible choices. You regret it. You feel shame. You feel blame, etc. But this non-confrontational form of people-pleasing, it really is to avoid social rejection and are a coping mechanism for those who've experienced trauma to overcome a deep-rooted emotional problem, right, i.e. this trauma. This disproportionate amount is related to childhood trauma of emotional neglect. And it's important to find balance and rewire your subconscious with growth mindset phrases. I accept myself for who I am. I am enough. I am worthy. I deserve respect. Number five, substance abuse and eating disorders. I know my for myself personally, when I was in my abusive relationship, I leaned on alcohol to numb everything. And then so did he. He became much more than I, but I definitely was an alcoholic. And um, I guess there's variations, right? Degrees. However, I was able to um, stop the use of that substance abuse once I was out of the situation and started my healing process. And my current husband um, was very uh, kind to point out, not right away, obviously, we were dating, that I was very much dependent on my bottle of wine a night. And um, we joke about it now, but it was a serious problem. Um, And the plain and simple truth is when you may experience trauma, abuse, while you're in the PTSD mode, while you're healing and while you're in it it's easier to numb the pain than get up and out front of and out of your comfort zone and do something about it however there are tools there are programs we all know aa that can help you gain balance and control over these areas ptsd is i just mentioned post traumatic stress syndrome um, and it's a disorder. So it's a result of the emotional body experiencing the trauma memories all over again. You may be out, you've away from that scenario, but your body may see something, get triggered, hear something, feel something, and um, your body's back in the abuse all over again. The body feels more than the mind remembers. And it's much more powerful. So when a person feels immense panic, for instance, um, these are all kind of like what you feel during a PTSD episode, nausea, pain, headaches, um, fear, all of these really intense, like cr- uncontrollable crying. You just want to like recluse and not talk to anybody, not have anyone touch you. All of these things are symptoms. Um and a fear that our culture, um, I really do fear like our culture just encourages us to just go grab a bottle, you know, get together, have, you know, have some drinks and then all is well. Like that's not how it works. And, um, substance does not heal. Yes, it numbs, but it also then magnifies really what you're trying to cover up and you can't ignore it. 
The problem won't allow you to ignore it. The problem will rot inside you, and the substance is now an additional problem, an addiction and mental health issue that you need to, that is compounded, that you need to heal and and work on. So, and I'm only speaking from personal experience. Um, I am not as familiar with eating disorders personally, but I imagine it is just the same as if, you know, grabbing a bottle of wine, vodka, whatever your choice, other substances, drugs, etc., versus eating, right? Emotional eating is certainly a thing um, that is real, real emotional and a real substance abuse um, in the sense that you're not taking in the proper fuel you need just to be fueling your body, right? It's to cover up emotions. Sometimes purging occurs right after or denying yourself of fuel and food. It's just... Um, something that's really serious and it's part of the body response and that compulsion to cover up the pain and shed shame. Number six, fear of abandonment. The instability produced during childhood by the abuse and trauma that is not healed does not leave the emotional body of a person. Therefore, the the fear of being unloved and abandoned does not go away without proper healing. You can't just leave the scenario and be like, okay, I'm done. I'm out of the situation. Like everyone who has never experienced it thinks you're fine, right? You're free. You're fine. You're out of it. But the emotional body still carries so much and it needs to be properly healed. Um, I have felt this in a very real way in my body. Um, My body and my brain may think something very rational, but in my body, I get these like panic attacks and I go into high distress. And the best way to calm that down is to, number one, breathe, journal, soak in a bath, move your body, really just get Whatever is healing, sometimes even for me, I just need to do a really good cleaning. Like especially when the 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 panic turns into anger. Like when I'm angry, I clean really well. Um, but if I'm really in a part place of sorrow, um, you know, you just you can't just shove it away. You have to sit with it. You have to journal it out. Why are you sorrowful? When's the last time you felt this sorrow? Or when's the first time you felt this sorrow? Journal it out. And then the, usually for me, it kind of does morph into anger. Like I'm feeling this horrible feelings. You're journaling. And then you start to write like this hate letter to whoever you feel has caused it. And you just get to write it out. Get out of your body. And then my favorite thing to do is transmute what I just wrote up to the universe. There's two ways that are great to do that is you can create a God box or a, uh, universe box, however you want to call the higher being. I really don't care. They're all one and the same to me. And she, she, he, it, and you put this piece of paper in the box and you give it away. It's written down. You release it, you surrender it. It's gone. Another beautiful way, um, is to burn it and transmute it up into the air. So you're using the elements to kind of transmute this energy. And I do it in a nice safe pot where there's nothing else that can catch on fire. And it's just a really, really beautiful way to release it. And truly, truly, you, you do release 
You just don't worry about it anymore. It might still crop up at a tiny bit, but over time, that emotional, that anxiety, it becomes less and less and less. Number seven, they deprioritize their own needs. If you are one who does not like to think about yourself because it only makes you feel bad, then you are avoiding the healing process of your trauma. This occurs in adults whose trauma involved key relationships, such as a mother, father, sister, or brother. Any reminder of these experiences may cause too much emotional pain and is all too common that they avoid them by escaping through, again, substance abuse, depression, or in extreme instances, self-injury. Self-care is then impaired and avoided. And they learn to live almost like in a stranger's body, so to speak, separate from themselves. Number eight, difficulty taking compliments. When childhood trauma forces one into survival and internally the emotions in turn are disconnected. And as an adult, it can be difficult to feel any deep emotions in order to understand oneself and to make appropriate decisions. And also they can bottle it up inside and then explode. And emotional dysregulation leads to problems with impulsive decisions. And it gets in the way of forming healthy relationships with others. These people may experience a sense of boredom, emotional numbing, irritated, block out negative emotions until they explode. They may only feel negative emotions about themselves, for example, of self-loathing, self-disgust, and recoil from any compliment. Number nine, tolerates abusive behavior. As stated in all the previous points above, there are so many reasons why a reasonably nice and smart person will tolerate abusive behavior. So don't feel bad if someone questions why you stayed. So many reasons. It is so complex and in-depth. You are smart. You are brilliant. You are a light beam, and they're attracted to your light beam. Because also of this possible uh, childhood trauma is you're seeking and you want validation. You put up with the bad to get the extra praise, possibly, um, and you ignore the bad, and they you really have a real fear of abandonment. Again, in your body, let's say you're like, oh, I can totally do it. But then no, when you're sitting in your quiet time, you're like, no, I can't. I can't brave this alone. I can't do it. But you can. And you're stronger than you think. And you really possibly may have the thought that I had is no one will ever really love me. False, false, false. These are all false things that trap you in your fear. And the ego is trying to protect you right? You want to be comfortable, but honestly, is the situation you're in better than being completely free of it and let's say being platonic and never being loved? That's where I I got to the point in my life um, at the end. I mean, I I would prefer to never have a romantic relationship ever again over such a, a cycle, an abusive cycle. It was just so draining, Draining on your soul, and I felt my soul getting sucked deeper and deeper. Um, So we all have our journeys and paths, and how long it takes us to get there, it sets up to us. 
And possibly you convince yourself that you are worth only this dysfunctional type of love, which I did. I really felt like I I deserved it in some strange, demented way. Like, well, I don't really deserve real, true, happy, euphoric love because maybe that doesn't exist. And then I got, you know, really mad at Disney and all that stuff, right? So you start blaming just to kind of justify and convince yourself to stay and that you deserve this dysfunctional love. But you don't. You do not deserve one ounce of abusive treatment. When we fail to set boundaries and hold people accountable, We feel used and mistreated, correct? That's by Brene Brown. Pretty obvious when you're in it, but absolutely, that's what you feel. Number 10, attracts a narcissistic partner. The nature of narcissist pattern is they give loads and loads of love and praise and attention at the beginning, and they make you feel, they make that person like you're craving this excessive external validation which you already kind of feel like you don't deserve in the first place but you really are like wow this is amazing you're getting it um and you fall for them and once they get comfortable they turn into their insufficient to love natured self that's really truly revealed Um, you might say something that triggers them into their insecurity and they start to turn it on you All the characteristics above of being desperate for the external attention, low self-esteem, self-loathing, it puts your needs on, you know, putting your needs on the back burner, are codependent on unhealthy people, you people please, you've been over backwards to want to fix, like anybody, everyone, anyone, they're all a perfect storm to attract a narcissist. And then your ego thinks very arrogantly, by the way, which I can say because I did, I admit I was arrogant, that I could fix this imperfect lover. Like all I have to do is this and I'll fix them. You can't fix anybody. Trained doctor psychologists cannot even fix them. All they can do is talk to them if they're willing to talk and help them on their journey to realizing their mistakes and If they want to change, then they will. Even a doctor cannot. The narcissist is actually a hurt person. As much hate and fear and loathing you have right now for them, they are hurt, they are lost, and they are less emotionally stable as an adult because of their trauma in their childhood. And they're attracted to you, dear empath. Oh, beam of beautiful, shining light. They are attracted to you. Even though you may have endured childhood trauma as well, you still have intense light that you're shining. And you're really trying to get over it, right? And there's kind of like two sets of two ways you can go forward from childhood trauma. And one is with your empathic abilities and that shining of light. Yes, you may have some of these flaws that listed above. And then there's others that just go completely internal, defensive, um, not like zero empathy because they've gone conditioned to be narcissists. And it's like a moth to a flame, Except the moth is the size of a bird or bigger or a dragon and the flame is shadowed and it's slowly drained by this life sucker. It's sad really 
when you remove yourself and take the bird's eye view, let's say like the heaven's view or your life, you know, in the realm of not this plane, but it's not your job, nor can you ever fix a narcissist, let alone anyone else. For example, I just already said this about the doctors, you know, the doctors cannot fix them naturally. They have to have a natural path, let alone if they even are willing to talk to a therapist, which narcissists typically don't. And so that's why there's such a low rate of the diagnosis because they're like, I'm perfect. I'm fine. You're the one with the problems. I don't need to go to the therapist. You need to go to the therapist. So then they don't go and therefore they're not diagnosed. And when you are with a narcissist, you will never reach your true potential as a beautiful human being. I agree. That is my quote. And I just want to repeat it again. When you are with a narcissist, you will never reach your true potential as a beautiful, unique human being. Number 11, we talked briefly about boundaries. It's difficult, this is the last point, to set boundaries. When you are a people pleaser and you're seeking validation, you've had childhood trauma, to be accepted by friends, family, a lover, the last thing you want to do is set a boundary. You're like, uh, no, um, what if they get mad? Uh, what if they don't like me? Uh, and the answer that I would reply in my healthy state now to you is, who cares? But I know, I know the fear. I I was in it. I was in deep. I was in the muck. Who cares would be like, what do you mean who cares? I care if they accept me and love me and and they like me. Um, But honestly, if they don't care about you and your boundaries and they and respect you as a person, like if they don't respect you as that person and they don't listen to you or adhere to your boundaries, then they are not worth gaining the love and acceptance because they're not reciprocating in kind. They're just using you. They don't really have that empathy for you as a human being. Boundaries are another expression of your desires and how you want people to treat you. You don't always have to think of it like an unhealthy, like big wall, like, um, this is a boundary and it's going to be really awkward and I'm putting it up, but what it's, it's just communication. It's just expressing this is what I desire. This is how I want to be treated. And that's is a communication mode. It doesn't always have to be a big wall. Um, and if you self-loathe like I used to, then you don't love and respect yourself. And the first step in setting boundaries is healing, loving, and self-caring for yourself. Then you'll be able to tell people what you accept in your experience in life and what you do not accept. Henry Cloud says, boundaries are basically about providing structure and structure is essential in building anything that thrives. So repeat after me. I am not responsible for how people respond to my boundaries. I am responsible for setting and honoring my boundaries If my relationships end because I set boundaries, it's a sign that the foundation was cracked. In healthy relationships, 
I can set boundaries without fear. Without fear of retaliation, cutoffs, or manipulation. Healing is the way forward. Reconnecting with oneself has many layers and is not an overnight fix. However, the good news is there are many practices and ways to do so and heal into an emotionally healthy adult who attracts relationships that bring you joy and thrive in. So first step is to allow yourself to accept the fact that there was trauma. Number two is to mourn the loss of those years, that relationship, and that innocent child. Number three is to recover through growth by reading self-development books, express your emotions through art, talk to a therapist, discover yourself through astrology and human design, practice meditation, practice self-care, exercise, making healthy choices for your body, practice journaling and releasing to the universe, practice moon rituals. Practice quiet time with yourself in love. Practice listening to your intuition by studying symbols of tarot cards. Practice yoga. Learn to love yourself by stating affirmations in the mirror, looking yourself in the eye, and listening to informative podcasts like this one. And the last step is to be compassionate and patient with yourself. The subconscious is powerful force to change, and it is possible. Does any of this resonate with you? Let me know in the review box below. You can just swipe all the way down to the bottom, click the stars to rate, and click review, and let me know if any of this resonated with you. Thank you so much for listening. Share with your friends, take a screenshot and add it to your stories and tag me at The Thriving Intuitive so we can connect. I look forward to hearing from you. And as always, remember to keep your unique light shining.